Welcome to the Crush Your Mountain Podcast. I'm Henry Gaskin, Certified Health and Life Coach and CEO and founder of Christmas Transformational Coaching Service based out of Raleigh, North Carolina, helping people everywhere to improve their health, wellness, and personal growth. In each episode, we'll cover subjects dealing with those topics, and you'll hear personal stories of individuals who've confronted mountain-sized challenges and how they succeeded against them. You'll also get tips on improving your health, creating your wellness, and finding your path. I believe that we are all in a stage of becoming. The challenge is to be intentional about outcomes. My goal is to help you to conceive and commit to your goals, refine and rework to achieve the best step forward, undertake your path with courage and determination, sustain the practice in the face of obstacles, and habituate the process for your ultimate success. It's time to take charge of who you are becoming and create your best life. Welcome to Crush Your Mountain Podcast. Hello and welcome to this incredible version, incredible episode of Crush Your Mountain Wellness. And I'm going to tell you what, this is a day that I've been waiting for for quite some time because I have probably, I'm not going to call him my, my idol because he's not my idol, but he certainly is an example in a lot of ways. We might see, you might even say that because of our heritage, we're brothers from another mother because he has a Caribbean background and so do I. And I'm so thrilled <laughs> about that in itself. But unlike, unlike me, He's got the coolest accent because he's a, he's British, you see. And all I know about that is my grandmother singing Royal Britannia when I was a kid. <laughs> Let me tell you about this gentleman that you that was just flashed on your screen, Robert Stevenson. And I and I know that's not his title, but I'm going to call him sir. Whilst he was has an incredibly rich background before coaching, working with young people in schools and nurseries. He's also been involved with different aspects of higher education institutions. He has worked in, on degrees at several universities, running a module in theater and education at Essex University, or Essex University, as well as contributing to um, Angela's or Anglia Ruskin's Masters in Education and Art. Having been on an incredible uh, journey of self-development and consistently expanding both his training and coaching set. Initially trained as an NLP practitioner and hypnotherapist, he went on to pass his diploma in transformational coaching before adding a number of other accredited coaching, coach training courses, uh, as well as you know, David Drake's narrative, narrative coaching and Simon Western's analytic uh, network coaching Peter Hawkins Advanced Coaching and Claire Dale's Physical Intelligence Program. Now, this is a gentleman that doesn't stop at just the coaching. He incorporates so many different aspects of what he's learned and what he's continuing to learn. That's why this is such an incredible discussion because really I want everyone to see what's possible. Most recently, a couple of things have happened. He has actually started, he was with Analyst Coaching uh, for, for uh, several years. He's gone on to start Fan the Flames Coaching, 
where he has a podcast. I used to listen to him when he was in Coaching on Cage podcast. <laughs> but he's now, he now has Fan of Flames coaching and you can catch it on YouTube like I did recently. And also, we gotta, we're gonna talk about this for sure. He has also qualified as a fire walk instructor Robert Stevenson's, <laughs> Sir Robert Stevenson's, <laughs> welcome to Crush Your Mountain Wellness. <laughs> hey, Henry, it's it's so, I'm so glad to be here. It's been, we've taken our time to make this work. I'm so glad we have. Well, I, I'm thrilled. You know, as I mentioned, my niche is more dealing with uh, reducing type 2 diabetes, reversing it, uh, as well as life coaching. Um, I do that through muscle building, through, through through exercise, through a number of different modalities. But you, sir, have gone through some change, some changes, and some transformations yourself. So, first of all, with all of the uh, training and coaching, we have the NLP in common. Uh, that's you know, in here in the Americas, Anthony Robbins is like the king of NLP. You know, and he actually um, through his one of his trainings kind of changed my life in a lot of ways. So you yourself, how, tell me about your transformations over the years, first of all, and how did you, what limiting, limit, what limiting beliefs did you have at first? And then how did you overcome them? How did you break through those? Oh, wow, okay, so that's, that's going back, isn't it? So I think I was really lucky when I started because I didn't know much about coaching or NLP when I started. I was working with a lady called Matilda Gilbert and we were working on an arts education program together. Um, and she was just amazing at holding groups. Like, you know, I always used to say, I thought I was a good facilitator. I met her and I was just like, I'm a beginner. What, what are you doing? You got some skills. And she talks about a lot of her training and the work that she'd done and the effort that she puts into what she does. And she talked about coaching and NLP. And I then went off on a journey reading about it, doing some short courses on it before I did some longer courses on NLP and a longer course on, on coaching. So I went into it quite blind. I didn't realize the kind of depth of the work or the history mm -hmm. of the work. Mm -hmm. um, and it was only whilst I was doing it, I got to understand that there were, you know, there were some serious people that came before me that did this work and mm -hmm. the power that it had, the impact that it had, but also the, the kind of the negative side to it. So, you know, we can use, or NLP can be used to manipulate people's thinking because it's, it's a really powerful tool and it helps you to shift your thinking, but it can also nudge your thinking. And what my teacher was so good at was really helping us to recognize that we had a really powerful tool in our hands mm. and that we had to take great care with that. And I think the first sort of limiting belief that I had to get over was, well, who's gonna pay for this? Right, you know, I, I loved my training. I think, you know, I, I remember I spent a year doing my NLP and, um, I just really enjoyed the group that I was with and the fun that we were having and we were, you know, we were doing lots of trance work and hypnotherapy work and just the fun and the games with all of that was just beautiful. And towards the end, I remember the teacher saying, okay, now you've got to go out and get clients. You've got to start practicing this in the outside world. And I sort of went, well, who's going to pay? Who's, who's going to pay for this? And how do I 
how do I talk about this in a way that that really resonates with people beyond this is a great tool, beyond this is life-changing? Because we all say everything we do is life-changing, right? And it's like, okay, so what do I say that that really shifts and resonates with people? And that was something that's taken me a while to find my feet with. And I, you know, I still have moments where I ask that question, well, who's going to pay for this? And the answer is lots of people, lots of people who will pay for it, but you've got to find the people that want to work with you. And I think that's the skill of the work that we do is finding the people that want to work with us, Mm -hmm. getting our voices out there so people hear about the work that we're doing, so be vocal about what you are doing and the impact that it's having. And then people will find you and want to work with you. So you can't be quiet about this stuff. You can't sit in the corner doing great work and not talk about it. You've got to talk about it so people can see it and and share it and want to be part of it. So I think that was my kind of first sort of limiting belief was around that, that, that who pays for it. And also there was a lot of stuff around people saying, well, this isn't work. You know, you know, somebody would say to me, well, I've spent, six seven eight years learning therapy and you spent a year learning coaching and hypnotherapy and nlp how are you qualified to create change and i would talk about the idea that i wasn't creating i wasn't creating change they were creating change so the people i was working with doing the work not me so i didn't need to necessarily understand the depth of what was going on because they were doing the work themselves i was just creating the space and the challenge to enable that now as time has gone on, I've learned more and more skills and, uh, you know, I've spent time really understanding what is it that my craft does and what's the limits of it or the the boundlessness of it, the possibilities of it. But, you know, there are people that talk about it not being a craft and there are people that don't recognise the possibilities of it. And sometimes that's because they're just really good at getting on, picking themselves up and moving forward and they don't recognize that other people don't have that skill so those that don't need someone like me and you to come along and support them to make those changes because they can't do it on their own they need that scaffolding to help them to do it you know the biggest thing i've seen in that is where people have to be ready and willing to do the work Mm. when i as one who like I said, dealing with um, type 2 diabetes and diabetes, obesity due to diabetes, and and obesity that causes diabetes. Um, what has happened is, what happens is that individuals come to me and they sit there and say, okay, well, what do I do? And we go through the process, and we work through the process, and they say, okay, thank you, I'll do that. And but see, I'm monitoring them. Yeah. And if it if if two, if three weeks go by and you've lost eight pounds, see the program's not designed for that. So I know that you're not doing the work. You see, sometimes I'll call them out. Other times I just have to let them work with themselves because ultimately it's the person, it's the individual. Yeah. We, you and I, we are there as catalysts for change, but they have to be willing to make the change. Yeah, it has to come from your desire to create change because. I, can, I can't do it for you. So, you know, if, if you're talking about eating right and working out right, I can't do that for you. Right. You have to do that. Right. You know, when people work with me and, I, and they're talking about the action they're going to take, they have to take that action. I can't do it for them. So there has to be a willingness to do this. Now, I guess part of what I do is help them to find, well, where does that willingness live? 
right. you know, is that living, that willingness, is that part of their values set? Is it part of their vision of what they want to create? Is it part of the legacy that they want to leave behind? You know, is it the calling that they have that they need to tap into? You know, what's that thing? And often what I find is when we find something that is bigger than ourselves, that's when we start to really motor because we can't do it on motivation alone because we get tired. We need something that's going to be you know, that bigger vision, that purpose piece that's way beyond us. Mm-hmm. That we go, okay, I'm waking, waking up every morning trying to get to there. That's where I'm going. And I'm not just moving towards it. I'm being pulled towards it. So yeah, I need to make effort, but the, you know, the effort, it's not that it comes easy, but I have the desire to move towards it and make it happen. And I think when people have that, when we find that piece, then it becomes effortless. Then it becomes, uh, it gets into flow and movement because they're like, yeah, I want to get there. I want to get there. Help me get there. As opposed to, yeah, maybe today, maybe tomorrow. Let's see. Right. You know, the biggest challenge of individuals sometimes, you know, they, they, they immediately put up their walls. Well, see, here's what I, I want to do this, but I don't like this. I hate that. I don't want to do that, and 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 I, and I oh I can't eat that. That's kind of the way things go on this side, you know. And then there are those that, like you said, they're you know, especially in um, I would say the African American community as, as a community of resilient people who, mm. you know, because of the struggles. Uh, you know, it, they, they, they've learned to just look, okay, this is what it is. We're going to deal with it and we're going to, and, 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 and that's how it works. And it has worked against them in some ways, against us in some ways. Why? Because when it comes to a tool and a, 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 a modality like this, it doesn't click that it's something that's new. But yeah, I just want to jump in there because, you know, when we say this is what it is, sometimes what we're doing there is we are creating a limit for ourselves. We're creating a boundary. We're going, you know, this is life. You know, life's tough. That's what it is. And life is tough. It or can be tough and it can, it can be easy and it can be sweet and it can be beautiful. But when we go, well, you know, this is what it is, that that's that's the end of it. It's like, well, actually, there can be more, right? You know, what's the belief that lives with like this is what life is? This is all that life can be. When there might be more to it, but we've got to push the envelope to get there. We've got to explore. We've got to experiment. We've got to connect. We've got to find our tribes and our communities in order to go beyond those limiting beliefs of what our, our limits might be, what the, you know, what that stop point is. And that resilience is what we can use to push through that. That's, you know, it's like, how do we turn the resilience from a an accepting of limitation to a pushing through those barriers and achieving things beyond our wildest dreams? Yes, yes, yes. You know, that's one of the bigger challenges too. But you see, you know, when I work with clients and I, you know, what I love is letting them suspend that, 
disbelief for a little bit mm -hmm. and letting everything clear, letting them get present with themselves. And it's amazing sometimes the things that come up and well up within them, you know. And just like um, Dr. David Snyder said the other day, I was watching him, you know, it's like that inner voice doesn't speak in a yell, it speaks in a whisper. Absolutely. And it's usually that first thing that you said, no, that's not right. It's, that's the right thing. And that's when they often realize that, hey, what you just threw away, that's where it is. That's where you need to be. So why not get started? Because deep down inside, you're suppressing your your absolute truth. Yeah. Now, now, tell us something, okay? You were, you worked with Animus Coaching. Yeah. Good while. That's where I saw you. And just like I said, by the way, you know, it's always a thing, a, a thing to, to, to find someone uh, that that shares your, your your origins, you know. So you know, when, when in, in an area in a field that you're moving into, mm. so seeing you, there was like, oh, cool. And then you, then I heard you speak, and I said, oh, cool. He's that, and he's also working work, work, work for, for Her Majesty's Secret Service. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but. You know, tell us about your growth through animals. You know, it's it's amazing, isn't it, that, that you, you can take a job that is a freelance part-time role where you're running run you're running a program. Now, this, this, part of this for me is about what are we saying yes to and what opportunities are we going, do you know what, I'm going to take that, I'm going to try that and see where it goes. So I met the founder of Animus, Nick Bolton, um, we'll be talking 11 years ago now, something crazy like that. And we had a conversation because I was working with young people using coaching and he uh, was uh, running a support scheme at the time with the coaches that were going through his program working with young people on an apprenticeship and we had a conversation about the young people on the apprenticeship weren't turning up to the coaching and it wasn't quite working and they were kind of a bit unsure of what was happening there and because i'd been working with young people i'd worked with young people most of my creative life i was going well it's it's this and it's this it's about they think you're there to tell them what to do they think you're part of the system they don't recognize that you're there for them the rapport isn't right, that the relationship isn't right. You need to think about this, you need to think about that. And we started talking about it and he was just like, we should teach this stuff. We should, you know, we should work with coaches to understand how they work with young people using some of your skills and your background, doing some research. We talked to a great guy called Pat uh, Dolan. Pat Dolan, yeah, a great guy who did some great work in Ireland and the US around uh, mentoring with young people. And we created this program and I would go in three times in a year to, to do this program over a weekend with coaches, you know, helping them think about how do they work with, with young people. And I remember we created a lovely little um, addition to the Wheel of Life where we talked about that you had to break it into sections. You couldn't just say, you know, what, you know where are you sitting at, at this part of your life? 
but let's say it's with your friend, you, you have to think about with young people, well, well, how do you feel about this? Right, let's score that first. And then, you know, what are the facts around this? So what's the reality here? And then we'd look at, well, what's the future that we're trying to create? Mm-hmm. And when you break it like down like this, the young people were able to access that work and, and follow it through. And so we started off doing that. And I would just go in three times a year and do some work with them. And I'd hang around with them, you know, we'd get for drinks, I'd meet up with the other coaches on their other training program. And it was, you know, I was, I was having a great time. I was still doing a lot of my drama stuff as well. So and my creative stuff and working in schools doing that. And then um, Animus also had a group coaching program. And um, I started running their group coaching program because just by the very nature of being a facilitator, I'd worked with groups a lot, so I was able to bring those skills to it. And then the next thing I know, I'm running their diploma. And I'm teaching coaches how to coach or coaches in training how to coach. And I, you know, I'm developing these skills. And then, you know, you wake up one day and you're in a full-time job training coaches, but you're also training trainers to train coaches. And you just kind of, kind of, go through this process and you just kind of grow and you know for me that growth was about being a freelancer then being part of a team then leading a team managing a team creating teams supporting teams challenging teams and ultimately running an organization so there was there were these growth and you know I used to laugh about the fact that any of the jobs that I had if I was to interview for those jobs. I wouldn't have got those jobs. But being part of the organization, you were able to move and shift and bend. And one of the things that you know Nick is very good at, he's very you know, provocative. So he's pushing, he's challenging, he's asking those difficult questions. And he's challenging you to step up and step into something bigger than what you see for yourself. And sometimes, you know, that's wonderful. And other times that's really hard. It's really tough because you've also got things that don't work when you're stepping into new spaces. So there was dealing with what's not working mm. as well as with, hey, isn't this brilliant and wonderful and amazing? And I think one of the greatest achievements of my career working for that organisation, for Animus, was when we went into lockdown because of COVID. And, you know, we had an in-person training programme. And I remember sitting down with the head of uh, coaching at the time, the head of training, uh, Marcus Stone, and going, "We got to, we got to turn this and get it online." And you know, we'd use Zoom for meetings, but we never used it for training. And I remember we sat and we, you know, with the training, with bits of paper, you know, we would be practicing with our computers and our phones and our iPads, trying to recreate all the different people that were in the space. And I had all the other trainers, you know, creating videos for them and saying, this is how you do this. This is how you use that. And right, let's practice this. And, you know, the, the rest of the team supporting in the background to shift us from an uh, in-person organization to a virtual training organization, literally overnight. And, you know, that's one of my proudest moments is working with the team that were able to do that, were able to run with that and to 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 make that happen. And so there were some amazing things that happened, you know, working there, some, you know, some wonderful growth. And, you know, 
I got to do the podcast, which is how we connected. And I remember when we first started it, I was like, what am I doing? How does this work? And uh, over time, you know, with, with practice, with feedback, with challenge, really got into a groove and found, you know, what does it mean to interview people for me? What does it mean to have conversations about coaching where we can start to pull in different ideas, how people work differently in this realm and, you know, share that with coaches that are up and coming that, that, can, that can really tune into, oh, okay, that person works like that, that's what I want to do. Or, uh, oh, okay, I want to go and do that person's training program because I want to develop those skills a little bit more as as well. And, you know, when, when Animus and I parted ways, I remember saying to myself, well, I want to do a podcast. I want to keep coaching. I want to train. Um, I don't know how those things are going to happen, but I have absolute faith that they will happen. And that's what I'm going to make happen. And over time, through connections, through conversations, I've abled to bring that about. But I've also been able to bring different things to that space. I've been able to ramp up my whole thing around narrative coaching and the stories that we bring. You know, I've worked with Claire Dale to really lean into. So what is it that the body's saying and how does that work? So we can think about that in the coaching space and we can have conversations with our clients about, you know, not only where do you feel something, but what is that feeling telling you? You know, what might be the story of that body part as it aches when you say that? Um, yes. You know, when you feel that pain and you say it's in my stomach, well, what's your stomach trying to say to you? You know, can, can we listen to that? Can we get mindful in that moment and just pay attention to what our bodies are trying to tell us? Because our bodies are talking to us all the time. And, you know, when we have burnout and we look back of the journey of getting to burnout, people often say, well, you know, I, I had the flu, I had this sickness, my body ate, this was going on. And the body's been talking and screaming sometimes. And then it goes, I can't take this anymore. We've got to shut down. Um, so I've been able to bring in new ways of working. And as you know, recently, I've gone and done my firewalk instructor training. We're, we're, we're going to get to that because I, I am definitely going to touch base with that. Um, <laughs> but before before we do that, I have to ask you a couple more things about yeah. that. So, you know, so so. so Animas coaching, coaching on cage. Then we hit COVID, and you guys had to do a shift similar to us. Now I'll tell you um, a fun fact about me. I'm one of Jehovah's Witnesses, so I work with individuals uh, on, you know, on a spiritual level and um, serving as an elder. Um, it's even more so because we're, we're kind of teachers training teachers, and then we're working with the public and things like that. Secularly, you know, like you, I have worked with. One of my first jobs as a kid was working with with with, with young young folks. You know, I mean, it was weird. I mean, I went to McDonald's to get a job. They put they didn't put me behind me to, to flip burgers. They put me to work with the kids. <laughs> I was the most popular. I was more popular than Ronald McDonald in my hometown. It's weird, but or but that spilled over over the years because I've always worked with the young ones um, throughout the congregation that I was in. Uh, even secularly um, on my jobs, uh, I always tended to work with younger ones who are just coming on, especially the kind of the lughead ones that needed a little bit of guidance, you know. And uh, even most recently, I have a couple of individuals, one young fellow who's 
got um, some challenges and I've known him now, I've known him since he was eight years old and worked with him since he was eight years old. And when I first met him, he was on five different medications. And things went, he went through a whole lot and he ultimately refused to take the medications, but believe it or not, that was the best thing for him. Mm-hmm. And you know, that's the other thing. But um, I, don't, I don't wear the label that you wear, but we have this too in common. Uh, but you've done so much more with it because you, sir, are creative, Robert. So talk a little bit about being, I am, you, you were an actor for some time? Yeah, yeah so originally I trained as an actor. And, and I think acting and coaching have a lot in common because as an actor, when you take a part, you're asking, the, the character that you're becoming, you're, you're exploring, so why did they do this? And where did this happen? And who was involved in this? And when did this, this happen? And as a coach, you're asking those same questions to the people that you're working with. You're asking, so what is it you want? And how did you get there? And how did you get here? And how do you want to get there? And what's in the way? And the what if questions, you know, what if you did this? What if you did that? How can we break through this? How can we open our imagination and move through this? So so my acting's really fed into my, my coaching, but yeah, I trained as an actor. I also trained as a, as a mime artist. So I did a lot of physical theater. I worked with my two best friends, Isaac and Steve, and we had our own company called Unclassified Arts, and we toured physical theater around the world. And we did that for a good few years. And, you know, in between touring, we would do uh, a lot of theatre jobs, we did some, some TV, we did some film work. Um, and there was just a shift for, for us as an organisation where we would get more funding to run workshops and educational programmes than we would to put on plays. So we just, you know, as a, a self-funding organisation, we, we just found ourselves doing more and more of that sort of work, which led me into the sort of educational piece that I was doing, which is where I met Matilda. But yeah, for a long time, I was a creative artist and that sort of creativity stays with me. You know, it's what helps me in my thinking because it's, it's like, how do I get creative with this? What's, a, what's another way to do this? What's another way through? Um, and yet most of my thinking's done on mind maps. You know, I, I love my technology, but I also love my big bits of paper and my notebooks because sometimes you just gotta scribble things down and map things out. I love so my technology too. It keeps bothering us right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, turn that thing off. So so that creative part has always stayed there and you know part of that sort of lives in um, the, you know, the bits of writing that I might do when I'm creating a post and I sit and I think about it and I allow those creative ideas to, to flow through and I go, okay, how do I want to capture capture this and, and share this and what images do I want to get and how do I create all of this stuff together to present it out there to, to others that might connect to it in some way. Yeah, that's very cool. So now you 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 have all of the all this power as it were. And the thing is, you moved into now um, fan the flames coaching, and this is your this is your latest creation. And 
And guess what, friends? Not only does he have uh, have the fan of things coaching, but he's now getting ready to launch his group coaching. And you know what? I'm going to tell you something, guys. It's going to be wild. I can guarantee you that it's going to be wild because because he he alluded to it earlier, but and I and I mentioned it. But he's now an accredited Firewalker trainer. So let's talk about the Firewalk. And then a little birdie told me that you do something with arrows and you stick it in people's necks. Are you trying to kill us? <laughs> what, what, what is this about? So, okay. So what's really interesting. So Fan the Flames, that, the, that, that name came from a conversation with another podcaster, uh, Andy Cahill, who does uh, Wonder Dome. And uh, we we were having a conversation, we were having a chat one day, a coaching conversation, and I was talking about, you know, I want to do my podcast, but I'm not quite sure what it is. And he was just helping me think about what I did. And a week or two before this, I'd been working on a program where we had, at the beginning of the training, it was a three-day program, we lit a candle and said, what do we, what do we want to get from this? And at the end of it, we, we lit our candles again and said, this is what we got. We, we blew them out and we took them home. And as Andy and I were talking, we sort of went, wait a minute, you're, you're, you're kind of, you know, sparking the light for people. You're kind of fanning people's flame. I was like, yeah, this is it, right? That's what I'm doing. I'm, I'm, I'm working with people to go, what's that little spark? What's that little thing that we need to give little air to, we need to speak to, give a bit of oxygen to, so we can turn that into a roaring fire. And what's that quiet flame that you've got hidden away somewhere that you're protecting, but we need to get out into the world. So it became Fan the Flame. I started off with a podcast and my thing with the podcast was, I'm not gonna uh, record it and edit it and make it beautiful. I'm just gonna do them live because that way it's happening, they're getting out. I knew my own procrastination, my own perfectionism would get in the way and I wouldn't get them out. I'd spend years with them tinkering away. So I was like, I just need to get it out. Cause now, you know, it's just me. Well, now I work with um, a, a, a wonderful woman called uh, Sandra Suamela and she supports me in my organization. Um, and because of the podcast, I interviewed a lady called Lottie Moore and she is a, a master firewalk instructor. And um, we, we had the conversation and after the podcast, we, we talked about her work and the stuff she does with the land and land healing and transformation through fire and, and all of this beautiful, rich work. And at the end of it, we were kind of talking once we finished the podcast and I was like, I'd love to, to do this. This sounds, you know, this firewalking sounds interesting. And she was like, well, come on a program. I've got my next program coming up. And I was like, okay. And I was like, oh, I'm away. I'm away for a couple of weeks. I wouldn't be able to do it. And she's like, well, I've got one maybe in October or maybe in, in March next year. And I was like, okay, I'll hang on. And then while I was away, or just before I went away, she was talking to somebody else who wanted to do the program, who needed to travel to do the program. So they went, well, let's create a, a new intake so you can come and do it and I'll get some people together. And she rang me up and she said, I've got this intake happening in August. Do you want to do it? And I said, yes. And I said, yes, without actually knowing what I was saying yes to, but I just knew I wanted to work with her. I knew there was something about 
her, how she worked, what she did, and I knew fire was involved. Um, so uh, we we did this program over in uh, West Island, and um, we, we spent a week together. There was a small group of us, and Lottie took us through how to create the fire, how to tend the fire, and how to walk the fire. Um, and it's a, it's an amazing. It's it's hard to put into words what it's like because you make this fire with these these dried out logs so they've been aged or seasoned for two years so they're dry so when you light them they go up and this fire is hot and you've got your shovel you're turning the logs and, and you're watching it burn down and your brain is just going this is crazy this it you're, we're not going there right so you're just you, that that's what's happening in your mind um, and then the fire, you know, it takes about an hour and a half, two hours to burn down until you've just got these hot, glowing red coals. And then you rake them out, you make sure you prepare it properly, um, and, and then you get your energy up because you've got to get in the right vibration, you've got to get the right frame going on. So you, you work on that with, with the group or individually, and then, you, and then you walk like somebody who knows where they're going and you walk across those coals and you get to the other side and you're just like, Wah. I mean, like it's, it's, it's proper getting back to basics. Um, and you're, you're, you're roaring and screaming and whooping and it's amazing. And, you know, there's a small group of us. So, you know, we became this tight knit community over this time and, so Lottie would introduce other things. So we, we did some uh, board breaking. Uh, we did glass walking, which is just amazing. You know, you're walking over broken glass and you can hear it cracking as you're walking. And the, the beauty of this is, is that when you walk over fire, you have intention and you have movement and you are going somewhere. When you walk over glass, you have mindfulness and it's meditative and you're taking your time each step is is taken with thought and with care and so they're very different ways of moving but at the end of both of them there is this rush of of energy that is that is part of it and the other thing that we do is we do arrow breaks i've got my arrow here. It, sit, it sits on my desk now so you, you take these these arrows and that you know, that's it, it is, it's, it's full unbroken length. And then you, you place the arrow against the wall and you, you place the tip so you can see the tip there. You're placing that, just in that little notch there in your throat, that soft part. And Lottie said it's made to rest the arrow tip. So you place it just there and you've got your, you know, you're against the wall you, you take some deep breaths you, you, and you hold your third and you step with intention towards that wall and the arrow breaks. And so this is my, my first arrow and I'll keep that forever as a reminder of what's possible. And that's you know, the, what my work's always been about. You know, how, do we, how do we do what we're not sure is possible? How do we do the impossible? How do we break through something? And when you break an arrow with your neck, you you go, well, stuff's possible, right? I can 
I can do things that I thought wasn't possible. So how do I stop thinking things are impossible and start going, well, what is possible? How do I shift my script to my question? And that's the lesson behind it, you know, whenever, you know, because I know there are a lot of people that are watching this or they'll see the, uh, the, the um, replay on YouTube and I can hear that. See, see, that's just crazy. That's, that's just crazy. That, I, I, you know, walk, walk through fire. Oh, that's just crazy. Uh, I, I put it out. You're to get one day. That sort of thinking. But you see, this is where those limiting beliefs come from. And each of these, the, the, these actions are reprogramming your mind, your brain into what is possible, what can be done, what can be done. Because yeah. for some reason, no matter what country you live in, we tend to live in the state of can't. Yeah. And when we suspend the belief that we are in that state and we go beyond, then we learn what's possible. Yeah. It's feeling the fear and doing it anyway. And, and it's also about getting the right resources together because sometimes we try stuff and we haven't stopped to go what do i need to make this happen now i know that in order to do that work i needed to do it with lottie i couldn't do it on my own i also recognize that this stuff takes care it takes preparation it takes skill you know if, if somebody's if somebody finds an arrow don't just go sticking an arrow in your neck and trying to you know work with somebody who knows what they're doing if you're gonna walk fire, work with somebody who knows what they're doing. It's trusted, it comes from a lineage of fire walkers. So one of the things that's beautiful for me is I come now come from the Sundor lineage. And I can look back through my teachers and see who my teachers' teachers were and understand the work that they have done around working with the fire. So it's not just some somebody who's just had the idea. There's been serious work put into and going back to so how did our ancestors work with fire what was that about so how can we reclaim that and bring that to our now and it be part of our everyday lives and you know working you know creating fan the flames and then walking fire just feels like you know that there is a path there for me that i'm not aware of and it's kind of emerging and uncovering and I'm going, oh, okay, I'm just going to keep walking this and see see where it takes me. Well, I'll have to, we, we are going to be here all night if we, if we keep going because <laughs> you're a ball of fire yourself. And so, and, and, and there's so many things I want to ask you. Um, friends, check him out on Instagram. He's got his, his uh, coaching program, I believe, begins September 5th for group yep. coaching. Uh, and by the way, I mentioned that I have something, a, a bit of an announcement to make as far as my coaching and direct, the direction that it's going. Uh, you know that we that we have our 90-day program that involves the CRUSH method. You know that we have our 90-day programs for diabetes reversal as to get you on the path, as well as weight loss. What I'm doing now is I'm expanding my coaching skills by means of getting certified in actually training you in the gym because part of the challenge is that we don't realize that our muscle needs to metabolize our glucose. So those are things that are happening right now. 
And so I'll keep you posted as to the different programs that we'll be offering there. But Robert, uh, it's been amazing to talk to you and it's always amazing to talk to you. And, you. you know, we, you know, I've got to come back. We've got to come back and talk again after the show. Maybe not be, not be tonight, because it's like 10, almost 11 o'clock over where you are now yeah. at night, okay? It's a quarter to six here. So maybe we'll touch base some other time when it's a little yeah. bit more lighter out for you. But um, I always ask this one question uh, before, um, that's my last question to all my guests. So I want to ask you, Robert Stevenson, what does it mean for you to crush your mountain? For me, it's about so one, it's about recognizing that you have mountains. You have things that are in your way. You have things that look so big, so large that you can't think how will I ever achieve this? How will I ever get through this? And then it's about recognizing that you have the power, you have the tools, you have the support to do that. You have the friends, the families, the, the, the people you work with, all the people that you employ to work with you, whether that's a, a coach or a motivator or whatever that might be, a, a counselor. And then it's about getting to it. Right, because ultimately the way we crush the mounting is by doing the work. And so crushing the mounting is about doing the work, it's about getting up every day with your sledgehammer and pounding on that mounting until it's dust. And then it's about looking for the next one and going to work on that. Get your John Henry on folks, that's what he said. Okay, <laughs> get your John Henry on. If you don't know who John Henry is, Look up the legend because it is an amazing story. Except for in our, in, in our case, we're going to live at the end. Okay? Yeah. We're living Absolutely. at the end. So listen, I want to again thank you so much, Robert, for being with us and then spending this time with us. And as I always tell your friends, you know, you have the power to do anything. You just have to take your mind and dispel the limiting beliefs. Walk your own fire. Mm. Okay. If you got to do it literally, Call Robert to do it. But if you got if you're not doing it literally, you know that there's something you have to get through. Go and do it that way. Make sure you do it. Because as I always tell you every week, don't just climb your mountain, crush through it, and we'll see you next time. Thanks awesome. again, Robert. Thank you. Hey, thanks for listening to this episode of Crush Your Mountain. Remember, we deal with health, wellness, and personal growth. And each week, we will have a guest featuring one of those categories. If you would like support in losing weight, reversing type 2 diabetes, or dealing with a specific challenge in your life that you just need the support or help you get through, feel free to reach out by means of Instagram, where you'll find me at Diabetes Weight Loss Henry Gaskins, or Crush Your Mountain Hankster OG. Subscribe to my Crush Your Mountain YouTube channel where you'll see bonus content featuring an eclectic array of guests. Join my Facebook group where I go live each week and get behind the scenes. This episode that you're listening to right now. Finally, for a free session with me personally, 
DM me on Instagram. Call or text me at 434-218-4198. That's 434-218-4198. I am Henry Gaston, certified health and life coach, public speaker, educator, and this is Crush Your Mountain Podcast. And remember, don't just climb your mountain, crush it. See you next time.